0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me where we just read just a few moments ago in John chapter 14. And we'll begin in verse 15 and walk through uh, to the end of the, the chapter. And our theme this morning is the help that we all need. The help that we all need. So just curious how many of you in the room have ever had the, uh, the joy, and I say joy in the most sarcastic way possible. <laughs> the joy of taking everything that you own in your home and putting it all in a moving truck. Everything you have into a moving truck. Anybody had that experience, okay? Um, You just somehow, you squeeze it all in there. I I have a a picture that I want to show just that might kind of spark a memory of what that might uh, look like. Uh, and, And maybe yours look like this and Anybody see the dog in there? I'm just curious. You look to the top right corner. Even the dog's in there. Like, hopefully you did not pack your dog. But if you've had that experience or a similar experience, you put everything you have, you squeeze it into this moving truck and you're taking it somewhere. And you're going to have a couple things are going to run through your brain as you're driving that moving truck. You're going to think, Oh, I really hope that the, broken, the breakable stuff that I wrapped is wrapped really good and it's not broken right now as you're hitting those potholes and those bumps as you go. Uh, another thing is when you're actually at your destination and whether you fold open the doors or it's one of those pull doors like, you just kind of send a quick arrow prayer up as you raise that, that back door up because you're just hoping like it's not all about to just all fall out on top of you. And so you have that feeling. And then, and then the third thing that you may be wondering or hoping is that you really, really hope that help comes. Uh, because when you look at a, at, a, at a full moving truck, what you know is, is, is as strong as you might be you can't move all of the stuff that is in that, in that moving truck. You need help. And so you're hoping that help arrives and you're really hoping that the, the really strong friend you have that has a really strong back is, is, going to, is going to pull up in the driveway or wherever you are. You just hope that help comes. And the reason I show that picture is because a lot of us can relate in a move like that. It's a significant... Uh, moment, transition, and, and, and we know that feeling. You look at this, and if it's just you by yourself, what you know is you can't do this by yourself. I mean, you can want to, and you can be in great health, but at, at the end of the day, like you can't, you can't move all this stuff on your own. You need someone's help. And, and with that picture, we look at that, and, and maybe we've experienced that literally, but it could be that is the way... You see your life right now. Like you raise, you're, you're raising up the, the back door of your life, or you're opening the door, and what you are seeing is so much is going on in your life. So much, even major things are happening in your life, and it's all crammed into this space that is called your life, and you're looking at it, and it is possible that you look at your life and you see these major things things that are going on and you look at it and you're like, I can't do this by myself. Or I need help. And and so we've probably all of us have been there at some moment. Some of you may be there right now. And it is with that image in your heart and mind that I want us to look toward John chapter 14 and we are seeing A scene that we are as we've walked through the past few weeks and even over easter with our living lord's supper on that thursday night going into easter sunday this upper room scene where jesus is with his disciples and he's in this this final his his earthly ministry is wrapping up he's having this final meal and in that time in the upper room on the eve of his crucifixion he has done the unthinkable he is he is he is he has taken the role of a servant. He has washed His disciples' feet one by one. He's instituted what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. The Passover meal is, is ending, He's is instituting the, the Lord's Supper and how this will point to His death on the cross for the sins of the world. He has told them out loud that one of you will betray me. And we, we know, if we're familiar with the story, we know that that traitor is Judas and Judas has now taken the morsel and he has left and we know that Peter and probably the most courageous of all the disciples we would say he was the one who told the Lord that he would lay down his life and Jesus looks to him and it had to be a humbling moment but rebukes him and is like you're going to deny me three times before a rooster crows And he's humbled, and Thomas is asking questions, and then Philip is asking questions. And then now Jesus is no doubt understanding and seeing the trouble in the disciples' eyes, but probably the most troubling thing of all is the fact that their leader, who they have known life with for about the past three and a half years or so, everything they know is about to change because he's no longer going to physically be with them anymore. So they're, they're troubled, they're no doubt bewildered at this moment that they are all walking through. And as they see, and they're walking through this time, John 14, this chapter kind of lays out Christ's teaching into their lives. And we see John chapter 14 as being just this incredible source of comfort. Not just for the disciples, but for us as the church. We will see, and He was told them that He's going he's to prepare a place for them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. Like He's prepared a place for them. They're going to be with Him forever. He's told them that they're going to be a part of a greater work. And, and He's also told them that whatever you ask in My name, I will give it to you. Um, again, that's a whole another sermon in and of itself, that in, your, in His name, uh, to be conformed to His character and His will. And so He's promised them all kind of sources of comfort, but was we'll see together, he's, he's about to promise them what is one of His greatest gifts that He could ever give them and could ever give us as believers. And He's going to comfort them, comfort His followers by promising the Holy Spirit. He's promising the Holy Spirit. So let's begin in chapter 15, verse 1. The Bible says this, Jesus says, If you love Me, if you love me, you will obey or you will keep my commandments. Now we're going to hear this multiple times in these few verses that we're walking through. And I do want us to stop and feel the weight of that statement. And I just want to back up from it and just say it one more time. Jesus says this, if you love me, you love me. If you love me, you're going to obey what I command you to do. The truth was true for the disciples. The truth is true for us as disciples today. He had just told them in John 13 in the same setting that a new command I'm going to give you, love one another as I have loved you. Speaking of that agape kind of love, it's the kind of love that wants the best for the other person no matter what. And Jesus has commanded them to this new love and Jesus is along with this new command. And by the way, loving your neighbor or loving others is not a new command altogether. Uh, That's been God's message throughout Scripture. Love God, love people. But what we see is He's about to show them a whole new level of love with His sacrificial and substitutionary death on the cross. So He's calling them to this kind of love. This is the love He's called us to. It really paints a high bar for what love really, really looks like, and so we need to stop for a moment. And we're going to hear it a few times. Jesus says, "If you love me, you'll obey what I say." And and I and my my heart races over to the Book of John, where the half brother of Jesus and the leader of the Jerusalem Church wrote in his letter. He said, "This be doers of the word and not anybody know. Be doers of the word, not hearers." hearers only thus deceiving yourself that's a that's a that's a humbling verse because he what he's saying is there's there are people who only hear the word but he but Jesus says through James, the Holy Spirit, through James, be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Because if you're just a hearer only and you're not a doer of the Word, you have deceived yourself. And so in verse 16, the Bible says, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. This is such a comforting verse. Jesus is praying for His disciples Jesus tells them, I will ask the Father. We are introduced to this this ministry of Jesus. He understands. He's already told told them once, let your heart be troubled. He's going to tell them again uh, as we're walking through these last verses. Obviously, they're troubled. Obviously, again, bewildered comes to mind. Maybe confused. They're processing all that's happening. And Jesus says, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray to the Father that He will give you another helper. And here's what's amazing. Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God. He is omniscient, which means He knows everything. That He knows what's going to happen when He says, Arise, let's go. Because what's going to go, as I shared just a few moments ago, they're going to leave that upper room. They're going to walk through... probably very near the temple mount. They're going to cross this Kidron Valley. They're going to go to this Garden of Gethsemane. It's going to be at that place where Judas is going to carry out that ultimate act of betrayal with a kiss. And the the Roman mob is going to be there and they're going to get him. And, And Jesus knows all of this is going to happen. And He knows that in a matter of hours, He's going to be condemned to a cross to be crucified. And knowing all of that, what does Jesus do? Jesus sees the trouble in his disciples' eyes, and he prays for them. This is an amazing display of God's compassion and his love for his people. He sees what they're walking through, and he prays for them. we are introduced to the intercessory ministry of Jesus. Like His earthly ministry is coming to a close. In just a little while, He's going to say the words, it is finished. And the, the work of redemption will be complete through His substitutionary death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. But His intercessory ministry continues. This is so encouraging. The intercession is to make a request before a king on behalf of another. And one of the greatest blessings of being a part of a family of faith is that we have what we would call our brothers and our sisters in the family of faith. If you've ever had someone seek you out intentionally and say, "I want to pray for you," you know what that you know how that blesses you. That somehow God would lay you on somebody's heart and that person reaches out to you and says, I want to pray over you. We, that, is, that, is, that is one of the greatest beauties of the family of faith is just this intercessory ministry uh, for brothers and sisters of Christ. Or if you've ever been so compelled by the Spirit So led by the Spirit to seek someone out or to make that phone call or make that visit and you're simply there to pray over them. We know what a blessing that is. But here's the thing, like the only thing that's better than that is that Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for you. Multiple times through the Scriptures we see this ministry. One of those, Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 25 says, Consequently, He, speaking of Christ, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Romans 8, one of, it, it might be my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. In Romans 8, verse 31, He says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, hand of God who indeed is interceding for us incredible Jesus prays for you when you feel like you are looking at the packing truck that is your life and everything feels like it is bursting at the seams and you know you can't you can't move this by yourself you can know that Jesus prays for you And if you're familiar with Romans 8, I have to read the rest. Then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we who are being called all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for His people. And this is such a comfort It's such a comfort. So we see Jesus praying for His disciples, and we also see that the Father will send the promised Helper. The Father will send the promised Helper. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. And I, wanna, I don't know if you're a, a word circler or a note taker, but it's worth an underline, a circle, or write it out to the side. There's, there's a couple words in here that the Father will give. He's a promise keeper. I asked our 8 o'clock service, I just said, okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I want to ask the question, how many of you have ever broken a promise to which... Let's just say all of us, okay? All of us. But God has never, ever not kept a promise. Jesus is going to ask the Father. The Father will send. It's a promise. It's a promise for Him. And those words, another and helper. Another helper. That word another specifically means another of the same kind. In other words, Jesus is saying not in your moment of distress, I'm going to send a helper. Like like he's not talking about giving like advice, helpful advice, or even saying I'm going to send somebody really strong to help you move that awkward piece of furniture, which by the way, isn't that the deal with us guys? Like it's not heavy, it's just awkward, right? It's never too heavy, just awkward. We can't get it by ourselves, we need help. But here's the thing, like it's not good advice, it's not somebody strong or somebody really smart or somebody who thinks or we think they have it all together because nobody does. The thing is this, Jesus is saying, I'm going to send another and it's the, of the same kind. In other words, I'm sending you myself. I'm sending you myself another, another of the same kind. Helper, one to come alongside. It speaks of an advocate, it speaks of a Counselor. I think all of us go back to that place of that moving truck and the door is up and it's completely overwhelming. You're there by yourself. You're trying to get it. You're not going to get it done. And then all of the sudden, somebody or a group of people come alongside you and they take the weight that you are unable to carry by yourself and they help you carry it along. This is the picture. A helper is the one who comes alongside. And so God says do not be troubled i will pray for you and the father will send you the helper the helper and just these even these few short verses we see the work of the trinity we see god the son asking god the father and god the father giving another of the same kind god the holy spirit we serve one God, God is one, but He's revealed Himself in three persons. We see it through Scripture. We see all three actively engaged in creation. All three persons of the Godhead in the baptism of Christ. All three in the Great Commission. We open our Bibles to Genesis 1 and we see let us make man in our image. Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, let us Go down, Isaiah 6, who will go for us? One God revealed in three persons. Those three persons are not parts of God. They are one God. And one of the, the clearest displays of that in the Scripture, and I want to read it briefly, is from Acts chapter 5. The Holy Spirit is God. He is another, one of the same kind, our advocate, our counselor, our helper. And so in Acts chapter 5, there is a service that is going on and there's a gentleman by the name of Ananias and his bride, bride Sapphira and they have sold a piece of property and they've kind of got a covert operation going on. Here's what it says in Acts 5 verse 1. Listen for the Holy Spirit and listen for God. The Bible says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And the rest of that passage, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down, breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The Holy Spirit is God and God, the Father, will send God, the Spirit, of the same kind to be the helper, the advocate, the counselor. And so there are times where we are so tempted, we are so tempted to focus on what is taken away from us. And it is so easy to grieve what is taken away from us, Uh, what's taken away, what's taken away, what's taken away. But may we be encouraged from John 14 that though things are taken, that we can also see what God has given to us in Himself, the Holy Spirit. And so we see that Jesus prays for His disciples and we pray that the Father will send the promised Helper. And in these few verses, we're not going to exhaust all of the Holy Spirit because that is impossible to do. Uh, But in these few verses, we do see very... Distinct action and activity that the Spirit will play out in our lives. The Helper will indwell them. The Helper will teach them. The Helper will comfort them. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you speaking of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit it's important for us to be reminded as we saw earlier in Genesis 1 the Holy Spirit has always been and has always been at work but in the New Testament we do see a new application of the Holy Spirit's work in the believer's life in that the Holy Spirit will indwell believers we see this throughout the teaching of the New Testament. In and, and, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's writing the church and he's helping them work through some different things. And, and here's what Paul says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, for, for them being Jews and, and raising up in a Jewish tradition and, and, and culture, they're so used to going to a place to... <coughs> worship God and to experience the manifest presence of God. That word manifest means clear and obvious. And so their, their experience is this, but Paul's like, no, no, no. You understand, like the Father has sent the Spirit to indwell us. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. This is why Jesus, in his uh, what we call the Great Commission, after His resurrection gathered, His church there on the Galilean mountainside, and he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded. And then he says, and lo and behold, I am with you. Anybody know? I am with you always. How can God be with them always? If like in John 14, we're reading his hour had come and he's physically Leaving them. How can we read promises in the Scripture like, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you? It is because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. God's presence indwelling His people. Our bodies are the temple of the Spirit. Verse 18, He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to Him. And there it is again. If you love Me, you'll obey Me. If you love Me, you'll obey Me. I'll manifest My presence to those who love Me. And all of us could probably share perhaps a moment of in our journey with Jesus and we can look back over those. There's been moments or times where just the presence of God has been made manifest to us. That that word, again, manifest means clear and obvious and he makes this connection between loving him and obeying him and i just i think about how as believers maybe we we begin our day and i know that's going to look different for all kinds of people but 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 the application here is that as believers the holy spirit indwelling us that there is this fresh surrender of our lives Even on a daily basis, sometimes we say words like "rededicate." I'm going to rededicate my life. Rededicate my life. I rededicate my life every day. Like it's just this, this, this humbling ourselves and yielding ourselves because we know how strong the flesh is in us. We know that. We understand that war. But as believers, we understand God has gifted us with the Helper. His presence living in our lives. And so as we yield ourselves, yield our flesh, yield our wills to His will and in His grace and in His strength seek to live a life in honor to Him and for His glory, what happens is as we go through our day, we will, we will be sensitive and we will see God at work and we won't see interruptions, which this was really hard to do, interruptions are are opportunities when when you're surrendered and yielded to God and you want to be His hands and His feet and sensitive maybe to more opportunities or how God truly does use all things together for the good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. So in verse 22, Judas, this is not Iscariot. John is sure to let us know that. Judas, not Iscariot, said to Him, Lord, how is it that You will manifest Yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves Me, he will keep My word. There it is again. And My Father will love him, and He will come to him and make our home with Him. Again, just this incredible truth of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling presence believers' lives. God, help us to walk in the Spirit. That means living yielded to God's Word and God's lead. God, help us. The the Bible talks about don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. If you've seen someone drunk, they are under the influence of that thing. He says don't be drunk with wine, instead be filled with the Spirit. What He's saying is be controlled by the Spirit. Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit leading And guiding and directing. And in verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And again, we see this connection of love and obedience. It's not that we're perfect, it's not that we're going to get it right, we're going to let people down, we're going to mess up, we're going to fall. Like we know that, but it's about the believer's desire genuinely is to obey the Lord, to serve the Lord. And it, 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 it reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says some of the most chilling words in all of Scripture. He says that not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to Me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and do many great works in Your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness there's this this clear message through scripture that there is one way to have a relationship with god there's one way to have to be forgiven of your sin there's one way to experience the peace of god and peace with God. There's one way that you will experience life and light to full. There's one way that you will spend eternity with Him, and that one way is through Him, through Jesus. Through repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord in verse 25 these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you but the helper the Holy Spirit from the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you Now we there is a primary application to the disciples who are in the room that's who Jesus is talking to But yet for all believers that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He will teach us all things. There's a a point in which I love the fact that Jesus used everyday, no doubt rough around the edges, uh, disciples to, 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 to follow Him and to use them to change the world. Ordinary men and women who have repented of their sin, trusted in Jesus, and want to live for His glory and His mission. Like, I love that Jesus calls fishermen to, to, to lead the church and to write these, these life-giving words that we have. Because His Word is breathed out, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good Work, that even Peter himself would later write his own letter in 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy is ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the believer's resident truth teacher. A resident truth teacher that the Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God and grants us knowledge and understanding to follow Him. So I need the Holy Spirit to teach me. My hunch is I'm maybe not alone. And these disciples, He knew they needed the Spirit to teach them and guide them. And I am sure that there are all kinds of lessons that happen in our lives that we can absolutely race past and miss the opportunity for for what God wants to teach us in those moments. That that a mentor of mine challenged challenged me and a a group of other, other folks one time, he said, so often we ask why, why, why when by God's grace, maybe we change the question to what? What, what? God, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want to show me? God, help me to see and to understand what you are teaching me, what you want to teach me through this time. And so He indwells us, He teaches us, and He comforts us. Verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give peace. His peace is not this temporary happiness that is based on good circumstances going your way, but rather a deep abiding peace with a view on eternity and that God is in control. My hunch is probably all of us have said that as believers. God's in control. We know God's in control. And and that truth alone changes everything about our lives that God is in control I can remember that verse right there verse 27 just in 2017 we were living in Florida and uh, Hurricane Irma was barreling through and we were right in the eye and and we the, the the eye of the hurricane literally went over our house and and we saw it and by that point uh, it was a Sunday going into going into Monday, and and you either decided you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna buckle down, hunker down, or you're getting out of there. And and so whoever was evacuating had evacuated by that point. Whoever was staying was staying, and we had decided to stay in our home, and we had done all that we knew to do. And we it was a Sunday, and so what do you do? Do you go to church when? Like there's a hurricane that's barreling your way and so we, we did a Facebook uh, live uh, message from our living room on that night and, 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 and the passage was this passage. Because the only peace the world can offer really isn't peace at all. Like it, it all is not satisfying. It all doesn't last. But, but the peace of God, that peace surpasses all understanding when we know He is in control. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard Me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved Me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And I just think it's important to hear what the Bible is not saying. The Bible does not say that the Father is... Um, different than the son, or the father is better than the son. No, one God revealing Himself in three persons. Some would say, "See what like where's the trinity in this?" The Father's greater than I, but what we see, and we don't have the time to go there and read. But I just write down Philippians two by somewhere in your margin. But what you will see is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, set aside. Some of His manifest glory, His presence and His power, humbled Himself, the Bible says, as a servant to the point of death, death on the cross. That in that way, Jesus willingly surrendered and came under the will of the Father to accomplish our redemption. So in essence, same essence, one God, but yet here the Father has has yielded Himself voluntarily submitted to the will of the Father to pay the price for our sin, the plan that was set in place from eternity past. In verse 29, And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, So that the world may know that I love the Father, and with that, He says, "Rise, let us go from here." If you have your Bible open, you can look to verses 15 or chapter 15. That's we're going to be. You're going to see chapter 16. You're going to see chapter 17. These are the final words of Christ to His followers, to His disciples. And I just, I just want us all to be encouraged this morning is that if you feel like your life is like the, that, that moving truck and there are, there's so much squeezed into this area that we call our lives and we look at it and we say, there's no way, there's no way I can do this by myself. The answer is you're absolutely right. We can't but this is why we can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. That's why in John 15, as we'll see next week, that apart from you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing apart from you. I can do all things with you. Through the indwelling of the presence of the Holy Spirit. How can I love that person? How can I experience peace right now? Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. This is God. This is us in looking at our lives and trying to figure it all out by ourselves. And this is Christ reminding us that He has sent the helper of uh, another helper of, of Himself of like kind. This is the Holy Spirit, God Himself, not sending wisdom, not sending advice, not sending somebody who's really strong and smart. He's sending Himself to come alongside you. And to carry that load. And to be with you always to the end of the earth. To the end of the age. So this encouragement for us is if that's you, I pray we are all reminded that God is with us. That God is near and that God is strong. Because it is very easy as a believer to know this and to also live in such a way that we forget like even yesterday, driving my car. I'm preaching this message, right? <laughs> By God's grace. Like I'm driving, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying what I'm preaching because I need to be reminded that we can do all things through Christ, that He is the helper, that He does indwell us, that He does teach us, that He does comfort us, that He does empower us. May we lean into that truth Rest in that truth and surrender to that truth and enjoy. The Bible says in your presence there is fullness of joy. When the Spirit of God is ruling and reigning our hearts, there is a fullness of joy that comes even in the midst of circumstances that are broken. So God help us. And it could be that you're here today, you're living apart from a relationship with God, you're doing this whole thing by yourself and you know we are limited people with limited abilities, limited power, limited knowledge, limited strength, and we have maybe come to that place where we try, 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 and we understand we can't do this by ourselves. And yet here is God in His love and His grace pursuing His people and He is promising them that there is life and life to the full through Him and that there is another Helper that He provides us through the gift of salvation, His presence living in us, guiding us. So be encouraged. Even when you're alone, guess what? Believer, you're not. There's another Helper. The Holy Spirit living in you. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, thank You for the gift of these final teachings with your disciples. That God, as we end our time in the Word today, we are left with that arise, let us go. Understanding and knowing what you're about to do. We remembered that on Good Friday. And we celebrate the empty tomb on Sunday. The empty tomb proves that you alone have the power to forgive our sin and to make us right with you. And Father, it is through Your Holy Spirit's indwelling and comforting and teaching, God, that we understand that we are not alone. And I just pray for the brother, for the sister in the room today that is trying to figure it all out on their own. That just be reminded, God, that You have not left us as orphans, but God, that You have have come to us and the presence and power of Your Spirit to indwell us. So God, may we not live this life in our own strength or in our own way, but rather live in a way that is surrendered to Your leadership in our lives. And only then can we experience that love, joy, peace, patience, and all the fruit of the Spirit. God, I pray that that believer who is struggling right now, and who is trying to hold that whole thing in in their lives together, God, that they would be reminded that You're with them. You're with them. To come alongside and help. And Father, I do also pray for that person who may be here who doesn't have a relationship with You. God, I pray that today would be the day where they acknowledge their sin, that they would turn from their sin to repent of their sin and turn to You and surrender their hearts to You as Lord to love You, to serve You, to trust in Your perfect life, Your substitutionary death, and God, Your glorious resurrection to give forgiveness and life and life to the full. God, I pray today would be the day of beginning that relationship today. God, we love You. We need You. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand with me as we just have a song of response. We have pastors here who would love to pray for you, over you. The altar is always open. But just that we would lay our hearts before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to work and lead and guide and show and convict and encourage all that He wants to do in and through our lives in this time.